when I published Ulysses by James Joyce in my little bookshop called Shakespeare and Company in Paris. Look, look, the dust is growing. My branches lost Lord Jesus. Stately clump back bargain. All perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad. And yes, I said yes, I will, yes. Friends of Shakespeare and Company, read Ulysses by James Joyce. Read today by Selina Gordon. Her ribald face, sullen as a dean's, Buck Mulligan came forwards, then blithe in motley, towards the greeting of their smiles. My telegram. You were speaking of the gaseous vertebrate. If I mistake not, he asked of Stephen. Primrose vested, he greeted gaily with his doffed Panama, as with a bauble. They make him welcome. Was du verschlas, was du noct dienen? Brood of mockers. Photius. Pseudo-Malarkey, Johann most. He, who himself begot, Midler the Holy Ghost, And himself sent himself, Aegon Bayer, Between himself and others, Who, put upon by his fiends, Stripped and whipped, Was nailed like bat to barn door, Starved on cross-tree, who let him bury, stood up, harrowed hell, fared into heaven, and there these nineteen hundred years sitteth on the right hand of his own self, but yet shall come in the latter day to doom the quick and dead, when all the quick shall be dead already. He lifts hands, veils fall, O oh, flowers, Bells with bells with bells acquiring. Yes, indeed, the Quaker librarian said. A most instructive discussion. Mr Mulligan, I'll be bound, has his theory too of the play and of Shakespeare. All sides of life should be represented. He smiled on all sides equally. Buck Mulligan thought, puzzled. Shakespeare, he said. I seem to know the name. A flying sunny smile rayed in his loose features. To be sure, he said, remembering brightly, the chap that writes like singe. Mr Best turned to him. Haynes missed you, he said. Did you meet him? He'll see you after, in the DBC. He's gone to Gill's to buy Hines' love songs of Connacht. I came through the museum, Buck Mulligan said. Was he here? Tis the bard's fellow countryman, John Eglinton answered. Are rather tired, perhaps, of our brilliancies of theorising. I hear that an actress played Hamlet for the four hundredth and eighth time last night in Dublin. Vinning held that the prince was a woman. Has no one made him out to be an Irishman? Judge Barton, I believe, 
is searching for some clues. He swears, his highness, not his lordship, by Saint Patrick. The most brilliant of all is the story of Wilde's, Mr. Best said, lifting his brilliant notebook. That portrait of Mr. W. H., where he proves that the sonnets were written by a Willie Hughes, a man all Hughes. For Willie Hughes, is it not? the Quaker librarian asked. Or Huey Wills, Mr. William himself, W.H. Who am I? I mean, for Willie Hughes, Mr. Best said, amending his gloss easily. Of course, it's all a paradox, don't you know? Hughes and Hughes and Hughes the colour. But it's so typical, the way he works it out. It's the very essence of Wilde's, don't you know? The light touch. His glance touched their faces lightly as he smiled. A blonde aphibe, tame essence of Wilde. You're darned witty. Three drams of Uskabach. You drank with Dan Deasy's ducats. How much did I spend? Oh, a few shillings. For a plump of pressmen. Humour wet and dry. Wit. You would give your five wits for youth's proud livery he pranks in. Liniments of gratified desire. There be many, Mo. Take her for me. Impairing time, Jove. A cool rut time, send them. Yea, turtle dove her. Eve, naked, wheat-bellied sin. A snake coils her, fang-ins kiss. Do you think it is only a paradox? The Quaker librarian was asking. The mocker is never taken seriously when he is most serious. They talked seriously of mocker's seriousness. Buck Mulligan's again heavy face eyed Stephen a while. Then his head wagging, he came near, drew a folded telegram from his pocket. His mobile lips read, smiling with a new delight. Telegram, he said. Wonderful inspiration. Telegram, a papal bull. He sat on a corner of the unlit desk, reading aloud joyfully. The sentimentalist is he who would enjoy, without incurring, the immense debtorship for a thing done, signed Didylus. Where did you launch it from? The Kipps? No. College Green. Have you drunk the four quid? The aunt is going to call on your unsubstantial father. Telegram. Malarkey Mulligan. The ship. Lower Abbey Street. Oh, you peerless mama. Oh, you prestified king chite. Joyfully, he thrust message and envelope into a pocket, but keened a querulous brogue. It's what I'm telling you, Mr. Honey. It's queer and sick we were. Haynes and myself, the time himself brought it in. Twas murmur we did, for a gallus potion would rouse a friar. I'm thinking, and he limp with leching, and we one hour 
and two hours, and three hours in Connery's sitting, civil, waiting for pints apiece. He wailed, and we to be there, Mavrone, and you to be unbeknownst, sending us your conglomerations, the way we have our tongues out a yard long, like the drouthy clerics do be fainting for a pussful. Stephen laughed quickly. Warningfully, Buck Mulligan bent down. The tramper Singe is looking for you, he said, to murder you. He heard you pissed on his hall door in Glastool. He's out in Pamputis to murder you. Me? Stephen exclaimed. That was your contribution to literature. Buck Mulligan gleefully bent back, laughing to the dark, eavesdropping ceiling. Murder you, he laughed. Harsh, gargoyle face that warred against me over our mess of hash of lights in Rue Saint-André des Arts. In words of words for words, palabras, oisin with Patrick Valman, he met in Clamart Woods, brandishing a wine bottle. Seventhry Saint, murdering Irish, his image, wandering, he met. I mine, I met a fool I, the forest. Mr. Lister, an attendant, said from the door ajar, in which everyone can find his own. So Mr. Justice Madden, in his diary of Master William's silence, has found the hunting terms. Yes, what is it? There's a gentleman here, sir, the attendant said, coming forward and offering a card. From the Freeman. He wants to see the files of the Kilkenny people for the last year. Certainly, certainly, certainly. Is the gentleman... He took the eager card, glanced, not saw, laid down, unglanced, looked, asked, creaked, asked, is he? Oh, there. Brisk in a galliard he was off and out. In the daylit corridor he talked with voluble pains of zeal, in duty bound, most fair, most kind, most honest broad brim. This gentleman. Freeman's journal. Kilkenny people. To be sure. Good day, sir. Kilkenny. We have certainly... A patient silhouette waited, listening. All the leading provincial, Northern Whig, Cork Examiner, Ennis Corthy Guardian, 1903. Will you please, Evans, conduct this gentleman, if you just follow the attempt, or please allow me, this way, please, sir. Voluble, dutiful, he led the way to all the provincial papers, a bowing dark figure following his hasty heels. The door closed. The sheeny, Buck Mulligan cried. He jumped up and snatched the card. What's his name? Ike Moses. Bloom. He rattled on. Jehovah. Collector of prepuces. Is no more. I found him over in the museum when I went to hail the foam-born Aphrodite, the Greek mouth that has never been twisted in prayer. Every day we must do homage to her. Life of life at thy lips enkindle. Suddenly he turned to Stephen. He knows you. 
He knows your old fellow. Oh, I fear me, he is Greeker than the Greeks. His pale Galilean eyes were upon her missile groove. Venus Calipi, oh, the thunder of those loins, the god pursuing, the maiden hid. We want to hear more, John Eglinton decided, with Mr. Best's approval. We begin to be interested in Mrs. S. Till now. We had thought of her, if at all, as a patient. Griselda, a Penelope stay-at-home. Pupil of Georgius, Stephen said, took the palm of beauty from Kairos, Menelos, Brudam, Argive, Helen, the wooden mare of Troy, in whom a score of heroes slept and handed it to the poor Penelope. Twenty years he lived in London, and, during part of that time, he drew a salary equal to that of the Lord Chancellor of Ireland. His life was rich, his art, more than the art of feudalism, as Walt Whitman called it, is the art of suffete. Hot herring pies, green mugs of sack, honey sauces, sugar of roses, march pane, gooseberried pigeons, ringo candies. Sir Walter Raleigh, when they arrested him, had half a million francs on his back, including a pair of fancy stays. The gombean woman, Eliza Tudor, had underlinen enough to vie with her of Sheba. Twenty years he dallied there between conjugal love and its chaste delights and scortatory love and its foul pleasures. You know Manningham's story of the burgher's wife who bade Dick Burbage to her bed after she had seen him in Richard Third, and how Shakespeare, overhearing without more ado, about nothing, took the cow by the horns and, when Burbage came knocking at the gate, answered from the capon's blankets, William the Conqueror came before Richard the Third, and the gay larkin, Mistress Fitton, mount and cryo, and his dainty bird's knees, Lady Penelope Rich, a clean quality woman, is suited for a player, and the punks of the bankside, a penny a time, cause Lorraine, Encore Vansou, Nouferons de Petites Cocochneries, Minette tu veux. The height of fine society. And Sir William Davenant, of Oxford's mother, with her cup of canary for every cockanary. Buck Mulligan, his pious eyes upturned, prayed. Blessed Margaret Mary Anycock, and Harry of six wives daughter and other lady friends from neighbours' seats as lawn, tennyson, gentleman, poet sings. But all those twenty years, what do you suppose poor Penelope in Stratford was doing behind the diamond panes? Do and do, thing done. In a rosary of Fetelaine of Gerard, herbalist, he walks, Grey-eyed Dalburn, an azured harebell like her veins, lids of Juno's eyes, violets. He walks. One life is all. One body. Do, but do. Afar, in a reek of lust and squalor, hands are laid on whiteness. Buck Mulligan rapped John Eglinton's desk sharply. Whom do you suspect? he challenged. Say that he is the spurned lover in the sonnets, once spurned, twice spurned, but the court 
Wanton spurned him for a lord, his dear, my love, love that dare not speak its name. As an Englishman, you mean, John, sturdy Eglinton put in, he loved a lord. Old wall, where sudden lizards flash, at Cheerton I watch them. It seems so, Stephen said. When he wants to do for him, and for all other and singular uneared wombs, the holy office an ostler does for the stallion. Maybe, like Socrates, he had a midwife to mother, as he had a shrew to wife, but she, the giglot wanton, did not break a bed vow. Two deeds are rank in that ghost's mind, a broken vow, and the dull-brained yokel on whom her favour has declined, deceased, husband's brother. Sweet Anne, I take it, was hot in the blood, once a wooer, twice a wooer, Stephen turned boldly in his chair. The burden of proof is with you, not with me, he said, frowning. If you deny that in the fifth scene of Hamlet he has branded her with infamy, tell me why there is no mention of her during the thirty-four years between the day she married him and the day she buried him. All those women saw their men down and under. Mary, her good man John, Anne, her poor dear Willen, when he went and died on her, raging that he was the first to go. Joan, her four brothers, Judith, her husband and all her sons, Susan, her husband too, while Susan's daughter, Elizabeth, to use granddaddy's words, wed her second, having killed her first. Oh, yes, mentioned there is. In the years when he was living richly in royal London to pay a debt, she had to borrow forty shillings from her father's shepherd. Explain you, then. Explain the swan song, too, wherein he has commended her to posterity. He faced their silence, to whom thus Eglinton. You mean the will? That has been explained, I believe, by jurists. She was entitled to her widow's dower, at common law. His legal knowledge was great, our judges tell us. Him, Satan, fleers, mocker, and therefore left out her name from the first draft, but did not leave out the presents for his granddaughter, for his daughters, for his sister, for his old cronies in Stratford and in London, and therefore he was urged as I believe, to name her. He left her his second best bed, punked. Left her his second best, best a bed, second best, left a bed. Whoa!